Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. How many of you would say to me, Pastor, I want to see God's very best done in my life? How many would say amen to that? How many would say, I want to see God's very best done through my church, Calvary? We'd say amen to that today. So that's what we're doing. Uh, as uh, Leading up to this series I'm always praying about what God wants us to do. How do we stay on track? How are we on the mark? How do I help you grow in your walk? That's what Pastor Emilio is referring to. Uh, a few weeks ago, we, I, I bought all the pastors this book, The Blessed Life, or Robert Morris. I said, you know, we're having a chance to, to teach before we give. And I said, let's, let's give our church a gift. This book's become a classic on giving, on tithing, and how to put God first. That so many people have said, I've, I've begun to see blessing on my life. So that's what we're doing, always praying. How do we help you? How do we build this church? How do we strengthen your walk with the Lord? And, and so as I'm praying over that, God was directing me again and again to the book of Acts, looking at the church, how it began, and, and, began, and so we're, we're seeing that. That's what this master plan is all about. Dr. Bosman, uh, when he came in, <clears throat> I'm, I'm praying over this. He said, God wants to, for us to reenact the book of Acts. I said, well, that's where we are. We're right on track with this. So we're looking at a master plan for the church. Is there a master plan for God's church? Today, there's all kind of ideas about what you do as church. Today, we've gotten really cute and, 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 and you know, trendy and, and, and all, but, but what's the master plan? What does God say about his church? And here's where I'm focusing. I believe God wants us to be a spirit-empowered church. Can you say amen to that? Not just a gathering of people, but a Holy Spirit-empowered church. It seems to me, and we shared a little bit with this last week, that as I look at what's happening around us in our culture, it looks to me like Satan has kind of just taken the gloves off where he was deceiving it, kind of behind the scenes and, and, and doing this. It's like he's right up in our face now. There are things happening in this country that, that there are things we are celebrating as a culture that we wouldn't tolerate one generation ago. The, the, the violence, the perversion, the, the confusion, the despair, the brokenness, the attack against families and marriages and who our, who our idols are in this nation. I'm going to tell you, it's like Satan says, I don't care if you know who I am anymore. I'm going after you. And I'm going to tell you, he's coming after your marriage. And he's coming after your children. And he's coming after the church. And it's time for the church to say, you know what? We can't play games. We can't go through the motion. We're not a Sunday morning club. We better be a spirit-empowered church that follows the plan of God because we're the only solution that's left in this culture today. You know, the, let, let's be very clear. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that, that our problems, issues, the things you're dealing with, the practical things. I'm not talking about theories on Sunday, but real life. The Bible says the real battle is not another person. It's not human to human. Ephesians 6 says, we are not wrestling with flesh and blood. My issue is not with someone else. But we are wrestling with spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The powers of hell. The demons of hell. The real battle is a spiritual battle. The real battle for your marriage is a spiritual battle. The real battle for your children is a spiritual battle. The real battle in the marketplace, it's a spiritual battle. Or we live in this world 
But 2 Corinthians 10 says, we don't wage war as this world does. Our weapons are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Do, do we understand that? That person you're praying for to be saved. That child that seems to be so far away from God. Why is that happening? The Bible says the God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your breakthrough, your success, your ability to win in life is not by might, it's not by power, it's by the spirit of the living God. Everybody with me on this? We must be a Holy Spirit-empowered church. A Holy Spirit-empowered people. Listen, Calvary Assembly is the name for us. It's not a separate entity. The church is the people that go to that church. So if Calvary Assembly is going to be a Spirit-empowered church, that means all of us going to this church, who are the church, will be a Spirit-empowered people that make up this church. You understand? There's no magic. There's no, there's no aura that, 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 that is separate. Who we are is who this church is. Are you with me? If we're spirit-empowered, we have a spirit-empowered church. If we're not spirit-empowered, we don't have a spirit-empowered church. So we're looking at where we are. And, and, and the stakes are too high. And the battle is too real for you and I to go through the motions of church. So let's look at this, this spirit-empowered church. This church that... That fits the plan of God. We're going to read it here in the book of Acts in a moment. So, so where do I get the term master plan? It's God's plan. Not your plan or my plan. Not what we think the church should be. Well, what does God say the church should be? What do we find in Scripture? The, the word master plan, here's some synonyms for that word. It means original. What's the original plan of God? It means authentic. It, it carries the meaning that which was at the beginning that's the master plan. Uh, what, that which is first. That, what is the game plan? What's the model? What's the prototype? See, the, the, the word authentic carries these, these connotations. To be accurate. To be authoritative. Do you know what we are desperately in need of today? A church that will speak the truth in love. Pastors that will speak the truth in love that will be authoritative, that will be able to stand and say, thus saith the Lord. This is the word of God. Not could be, maybe, I don't know who to know, we don't know, you don't know, I'm okay, you okay. No, somebody that will say, this is the word of God. Someone that is authoritative. Why? Because our confidence is in the master plan that we're following. You understand? It's the master plan. And so it is accurate, authoritative, legitimate, pure, it's trustworthy. It's the plan of God. It was how the church originally began. I shared with you in Acts 2, the church was birthed. And we're about to read her beginning in verses 42 through 47. What did that church do? As a result of their encounter with God, not man-made, not committee-driven, not theologically debated, but what was the church like when it began? What was the authentic master plan birthed in the church? Well, let's look at this in verse 42. Now, this, these, these verses will be our foundation for a few weeks. We're going to add this as we go through. So, so let's look at this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Four critical core values. Church family, the teaching of the apostles. They devoted themselves to the Word of God. 
They devoted themselves to the fellowship. There was a uniqueness about their love for one another and their unity that the modern church has let slip. They were devoted to the Word of God. They were devoted to the fellowship and to breaking bread. Man, our society has invaded the church. We have allowed the church to take on the values of our culture instead of the church shifting the culture around us. We, we like teaching, Christians do, like the Word. We like to come to church and, you know, get our Sunday dose. Come on, tell the truth. We like to get our Sunday fix. We like to get some Word, and, 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 and we'll pray. They're devoted to prayer. But we, 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 gotta, we need to learn some things. God needs to revitalize some things about fellowship, breaking of bread and eating together, knowing each other, relationship, doing life together, considering the value of who we are in the family of God. Far too many strangers and lone rangers that go to church that, 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 that need to have somebody in their life, some realistic relationships, okay? Not forced and mandated, but things that come out of the Holy Spirit. So these are values to them. As a result of these values, this master plan, let's see how this translated. So look at verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done. There was something out of these core values that caused the the power of God to be manifested in that church. To such a degree, people were in awe. There should be something about our corporate experience that is bigger than natural. It's supernatural. Is everybody with me? There should be something you encounter in your walk with God that puts you in awe. Ask yourself, when was the last time God left you in awe? When was the last time you gathered with the believers and you were awestruck? You were just, wow, wow. I, I, I don't even know what to say. So amazing. Awestruck because miracles were happening in their midst. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. There was a unity and a value for one another that was unprecedented. And look at this next verse. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone as he had need. A generosity that was natural and organic. Listen to me. This doesn't mean... It's, it's, it's so sad when we try to imitate naturally what God does supernaturally. So what, he's, what these people did... The, the Bible doesn't tell us if we're, if we're really the church that they, they were in common, shared their things, and gave as they had need. We don't run off here and all sell our houses and move off up on Sand Mountain somewhere and live in a commune. That's not the will of God. That's not the plan of God. He says, you don't take the light, put it under a bucket. Huh? You, you don't put the salt all in one place. Uh, y- y- what do you do? We, we're, we're the gospel. We're the church. We spread ourselves. So it's not this fake where, where, where we take everything and we're forced or manipulated to sell this, sell that, sell your house, live in a commune. No, we're, we're supposed to love each other. There's supposed to be a spontaneous generosity, a spontaneous unity. Everybody with me? Okay, okay, thank you for those four. All right. So look at verse 46. Every day, watch this combination. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere heart. There was a combination of publicly, corporately doing what we do here on Sunday 
And then also they met in their homes together. There's a real trend in America today where I've, I've read where people are saying, hey, we, we don't need to go to church anymore together. We're just going to have church in our home. Well, you don't have to do either or. It's both according to the Word of God. So why don't we just do what the Word says and trying to redefine the church? Let's release the church. Instead of manipulating the church and, 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 and trying to decide who the church is, let's just be the church. Let's follow the master plan. Now watch what happens when you follow this plan. So they did this in verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you know that if we follow the master plan of God, that people will come to Jesus every single day? I want to show you how that happens here. We have this incredible potential to impact the culture we're living in. Listen to me, church family. We're not mad at unsaved people at Calvary. We're not mad at unsaved people at Calvary. We're not mad at people that don't believe what we believe. We don't think we're holier than now. We don't think we're smarter than you. We don't think we're the only ones right. People that don't love Jesus, people that are far away from God, are not our problem. They're our target. Okay, I'm going to try that one more time. You didn't get this thing. These folks that don't like what we believe and are confused about their life, they're our target. They're our promise. They're not our problem. Anybody on track with me in that? We're not running in here on Sunday and hiding out from the big bad world. We are the body of Christ. There's a master plan. And you know what happens? People get saved every day. To be quite honest with you today, do you know that in America, 80% of the churches didn't grow last year? Last year, 3,600 churches closed in America. 3,600 churches have closed their doors every year for the last five years in this country. 80% of the churches haven't added anybody to it. Can I tell you what happened? And most of the churches that grew, this is rough stuff. I just, but I'm talking about the master plan. Everybody with me? Most of the churches that grew only grew from the 3,600 that closed. They moved over and went to their church. So you know what most of the church growth in America is today? Just shifting sheep from one pasture to the next. Just getting fish out of one aquarium that's running out of water and putting it in another one. But the master plan says, people that don't know Jesus, people that are far away from God, people that you work with, people you go to school with, people that are in your neighborhood, those people are supposed to be so impacted by the master plan of God, everybody with me, through our lives, that they come every day so they want to find who Jesus is. There's a master plan here. It's amazing. Here, here's, here's what I, I, I believe. See if, you, if my logic is correct. Help me if I'm off here. I would expect if we have the same encounter with the same God that they did, we should have the same results happening in our life. Can I say that again? If we have the same encounter with the same God, we should have the same results. There's a master plan. That can't be improved upon. And we go right here to the word of God. Let, let, let me tell you what's happened to us. We, we, we become very uh, situational in our ethics. We become very um, uh, self-focused uh, on what we believe and don't believe. It's kind of like this. Let me, let me say, I, I, I love Phyllis. I, uh, next to Jesus, I love her. I mean, there's Jesus and Phyllis right there. And I would do anything for her, even hang wallpaper. I personally feel like wallpaper was created by the devil. All right? I'm a big picture person, okay? I like the big picture. I see everything in technicolor. 
I'm a type A personality. I think it should have been done yesterday. I dream, my vision. I, here's, here's my approach to life. If I heard somebody one time say, if there's any fear in your life, you don't have faith. I'm afraid every day of my life. You know why? Because here's my goal. Here's what I think. If what I'm attempting to do for God doesn't scare me, it must not be God. See, if I'm not scared, I don't feel comfortable. If, see, my, my fear <laughs> keeps me on my knees. So I don't live comfortable. I live in this thing, my God. You know, I get in prayers like this. I'm praying, God, we want to do something great for you, God. You're a great God. We want to, and, and God puts something on my heart. And then I, you know, you're, you're, you're you and God are prayer, you know, the praise and worship's going over there. I've been praying an hour. I got the faith to kill Goliath, Godzilla, King Kong, and, 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 and everybody, and your mother-in-law, all at the same time. I, I, could, I could face anything. You know, I'm in that prayer. I'm like that. And I'm like, yes, God, I'm going to do it. Yes, I'm going to do it. And then I come out, and then, and then I'm like, whoo. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, God. So here's my goal. Here's my life. If you're not scared, you're not attempting something that's God-sized. So you can have faith and fear at the same time. How many understand that? So here's what happened. I love my wife. She's next to Jesus. I'll do anything to help her. So she, we, our little house, first little house we ever had, little FHA starter home. And Phyllis says, we need to put wallpaper up. I said, okay, let's do this. So, you know, I'm big picture I'm going to run. Let's kill giants. Let's, you know, understand what I'm saying? I, mean, yeah, I don't want to put wallpaper up. You know, I don't like those detailed things. I like big things, okay? So I'm starting to put this up. I'm like, dear God, it's going to take forever because it has a large repeating pattern. What in the world that means? That just means this is the worst kind of wallpaper. So, so here, so when, when, when you put wallpaper, watch this. Here's the deal. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. You're, you're supposed to do it the right way. So you, you get that first piece, right? You start at the corner, kind of red. And, you know, I couldn't Google anything back then. You had to go read somewhere. You couldn't Google it. They didn't have it. Don't, don't hate my age. Okay, so I've got, I've got the wallpaper up there. You put it in the corner. And what you're supposed to do is get a level. Get everything perfectly straight, right? You want this right. And you put that piece up. You level it. Yeah, that's just right. And, and you should do that again. Now, the next piece, you put it up there. You, you match the pattern, you level it, everything's good. All right. So you, you do that each time. But if you're like me, I don't want to do all that. I just want to get done. I don't want to make a career out of wallpaper. I got things to do. So I put the first one up. I thought, that looks good to me. So I get the second one. I didn't know I don't get the level on the string. I said, no, no, no. I put up, that looks good. It's touching. It's good. So I get the third piece. It's touching. We're good. So I got almost to the wall. And then, then I did this. I backed up and looked at it. I was like, oh, man. Because the wallpaper looked like this. Why is my house crooked? It couldn't have been me. Some, the house is crooked. So what happened? Watch this. What was my mistake? What was my mistake? Exactly. I didn't follow the master plan. And what got me off track? Watch this. Because instead of putting each run back to the original master plan, I measured two by three. And four, I mean, I measured three by two. And four by three. And when, watch, when, when we measure ourselves by ourselves, instead of coming back to the master plan of God, I start shifting away and drifting from the plan of God. And what we've done in the church, watch is this. People aren't bad. People aren't... It, it, we just got a little off track. 
and what we did from one generation to the next, instead of going back to this Bible, every time we did something, we just said, well, that if my father did it, I'll do it that way. Because my grandfather did it that way, and he did it that way, and he did it that way. And the church has been measuring itself against itself. And we come now to where we are in 2019, and we're really not on the master plan where we were. And what God is calling his church to do is have the courage and the bravery and the intensity to come back and say, God, if it's in your plan, it's in my life. If that's what you want to do, that's what I want to do. God will do it. See, there, there's a big debate right now. Does God do miracles anymore? Well, if we have the same encounter with the same God, we should expect the same result. The Bible says, God says, I am God and I change not. Hebrews says about Jesus, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if they had signs, wonders, and miracles, and the church was in awe, then I believe just like we can be in unity, just like we can be generous, just like we can read the word and pray we can see the hand of God release miracles in our midst and do mighty things so let's have a master plan anybody with me let's see what God would have us to do I want you to back up very quickly with me here and let's look into the first part of Acts 2 see see let me help you with this two of the greatest issues that are ripping through the culture of America today that dominate social media that fuel political party rhetoric were solved in the very beginning of the master plan of God. I want to show you something. See, the farther we go from the master plan of God, and the more we try to do church in human ability, the farther we drift from the purity and the power of God. Two of the issues ripping this country apart were solved day one in the master plan of God. Let's look at this. Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a mighty wind from heaven filled the house where they were sitting. Now remember what I teach you. I love suddenlies. Remember, I'm the big, big boom, big, you know. But I learned in Scripture that every suddenly is preceded by an act of obedience. They'd been praying for 10 days and suddenly, you with me? God stepped in the moment. That's called an interruption. That's what God's doing at Calvary right now. He's given you a test. He's given you an opportunity, right? He spoke to us and said, you're on the brink of a breakthrough. And we said, all right, interrupt us, God. Change our schedule, God. Do what you want to do. I'll move my stuff out of the way because I need what you have. I need your supernatural power. So suddenly what happens? The wind came from heaven, filled the house where they were sitting, where it saw them to be tongued. They seemed what's... Sorry, I'm too fast. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them. Notice those terms. All of them. Each of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What, listen, let me help you. What was normal in the original master plan has become abnormal in the church today. So have we shifted or has God shifted? Is this the same word or do we have a better plan? Okay, let's go. Verse 6. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews. From where? Every nation. Look at the wisdom of God. It was the Feast of Pentecost. Jews from every nation on the earth had pilgrimaged to Jerusalem. God had brought the world together. And on that day, in the strategy of his 
master plan. God is never random. God's always just ahead of us. What looks like a suddenly to you and me is a plan God's been working forever. How many can say amen to that? Can I tell you right now, God's about to do something in your life, and you and I don't even know what it is, but he's been doing it for a long time. You're about to intersect the plan of God, and we call it a suddenly, and God just laughs at us and says, I've been planning that since the day you were born. Come on, anybody get excited about that? You think all that random stuff's going on? That's why I want to be in the will of God. What about you? So, so here they're gathered. They heard the sound. They came together in bewilderment. They said, what in the world are we hearing? They're speaking in our languages and they're all Galilean. Look at verse 7. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them speaking in his own language? Tongues means the supernatural ability to speak a language. It's not a learned language. It's a Holy Spirit-inspired utterance. Now, look at this. Here, here's one of the big... Big issues, ripping this nation apart today. Watch this. Utterly amazed, they ask, are not all these men Galileans who are speaking? Verse 8. Then how is it that each of us, each of us hears them in our own native language? Where were these people from? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. What did they hear them doing? We hear them clearing the wonders of God in our own tongues. Do you see the diversity of ethnicity and race and language and nation in the day the church began? Do you know what America's struggling to try to bring the races together in the master plan of God? God did it day one in the church. They were red and yellow, black and white and brown. They were every language, every ethnicity. Do you understand that if we are walking in the master plan of God, we are living above prejudice, we are integrated, we are connected, we are in love, we are walking together, we are this beautiful tapestry of diversity that God puts together. Do you know what the answer to racism in America today? It is not politics. It is not laws. It is not regulation. It is not movements. It is the altar of God where men and women on their knees say, I trust you more than me. I want you more than my way. I won't do this naturally. Do you know what will end racism in America? The supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit and no man-made entity will do it on its own. None of them will do it. There will never get it. Did you get that? The natural mind never gets the supernatural work of God. So what's that natural mind going to do? The natural mind, the person watching God build his church, will either say, I want that, or they'll make fun of that because they're afraid of it. So some did that. Look, Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. So what did he do? Where's the answer? The word of God. He didn't call a committee meeting. He didn't take a opinion poll. He didn't get somebody. No, he said, this is what God says. 
The prophet Joel, verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. The second issue ripping our nation apart is gender equality. How women are trying to find their place and how we're exposing the abuse that's gone against women in the workforce and in the marketplace. Ladies, let me tell you something. Day one of the church of Jesus Christ, God did a revolutionary thing. And this point in time and culture, women were nothing more than the possession of their husband. God walked into this world and began his church and laid out a master plan and said, my sons will prophesy and my daughters will prophesy. I will pour my spirit out on the women and I will pour my spirit out on the men. Do you know the issues that divide us and rip us up are are, are simply uh, results of not following the master plan of God? The Me Too movement, ladies saying, it happened to me. I was abused. I was taken advantage of. Listen to me. I understand that. I got no problem with that. But what I'm trying to tell you is the Me Too movement is a voice for those who've been abused. And I get that. And we've got to deal with that. The women who've been hurt and the men who are perpetrators. But this is what I know. We're not going to come up with an answer for that. Because until God changes the hearts of those that are perpetrating the abuse on the ladies, the ladies are going to be in trouble. But when there's a move of God in this nation and an awakening, then women are going to restore their dignity. And men begin to act like men and not animals. And this nation begins to be turned around. And the answer is not in a man-made organization. It is in an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We were doing serve the city. I know I'm talking about some subject. People say, can you talk about that in church? We're doing it. We might as well talk about it here. I was serve the city walking through one of our neighborhoods in Decatur that's predominantly African-American. So I'm walking through there, and obviously I'm not African-American. So they hadn't seen me in that neighborhood, but we're there all the time. They just hadn't seen me. Carved young men drove by, four young African-American men. They looked at me walking in their neighborhood. And so they yell out, Black Lives Matter. And I yelled out, yes, they do. They didn't know what to do with that. But you know, in the eyes of God, everybody matters. Does that mean there's not an issue going on with brutality or mistakes and things that are made? Of course, we need to deal with those things. But what I'm telling you is the solution is not going to come from a man-made organization. We're not going to defeat hate with hate. We're not going to defeat prejudice with prejudice. We're not going to beat inequality with inequality. We're going to win this nation. We're going to move the culture. We're going to move the needle. How? When there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the people of God love each other until the world sees it and said there's something about those people. I know that made a, get you a little nervous for me to talk about things. I'm not against any movement that's going to help people. It's just like, uh, I'm, while I'm out there, let me just get everybody kind of their feathers up on me today and you'll feel better. You know, it's okay to come to church and think. <laughs> it's okay to church, come to church and get your feathers up. You might have to pray through some of that, you know what I'm saying? I'm not against AA or NA. Alcohols, anonymous, or coxinos. You know what? Because if you're helping somebody, good. But I just know something better. So what, see how quiet it gets? Oh, you can't say that. I just said it. Why do I say something better? I said, that's okay. But what's better than me standing up in front of a crowd for the rest of my life? Say, hi, I'm George. I'm an alcoholic. 
is for you to stand up in the church and meet the power of God and be delivered. And you once were an alcoholic, but now I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. I'm set free. I'm released. The ladies in our recovery program, we don't treat them to say, this is who I was. We treat them to say, this is who I am. I've been set free and released, and I'm walking here. Rachel, I see you back there. Wave at me right now. Come on. Here she is right now. One of our ladies in our recovery ministry, she's in fourth phase. She's not in resident now. She's with her family. Rachel, I prophesy over you in the name of Jesus. You will love God, serve God, be mighty in God. You'll be a testimony. You're, a, uh, you're the head, not the tail. You win. You win, you win, you win. I don't want her to stand up and say, I'm an addict. I want her to stand up and say, I am a woman of God. I bring good news to you. This is how my life changed. This is how your life changes. That's the church. That's the church. That's who we are. Have mercy. I've got to hurry. Let's go to Romans 12, verse 1. Let's go to Romans 12, 1. I'm just trying to teach us uh, who we are. Who we are. See, I just, I, I, I have this belief, this thing I base my life on, passing this church, that if we have the same encounter with the same God, we can expect the same uh, results that they had. I believe that with, with everything inside of me. Let, let, let's, let's look at this. I'm editing this sermon. Good Lord, I've tried to preach it for two weeks now and I can't get it done. Look at this. Look at this. Here's what I want you to see. Just leave that up. What happens with all this power that God put in the church? Because who's the church? You and me. So where is the power of the Holy Spirit? He's not floating around this room in a cloud. He's in you. He's in you. That's where the power of God is. Now, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. He's with us. He's here. But, but, but he works through us. He's in you. He's in me. And, and so here's the master plan. This is stunning. Think of this. The master plan is that God's grace comes into your life and he gives you a gift, an ability, a talent. Everyone in this room, we're about to read this. You can't miss this. Everyone in this room that's a believer, you're gifted by God. That gift is the expression of the Holy Spirit in your life. They're all different. We're not all preachers. Not everybody is an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher. But we're all in the master plan, uniquely designed by God. So, so, so look at this. For just as each of us has one body with many members. No, go to verse 1, Romans 12, 1. Okay? There you go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, think about the goodness of God. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So God, here I am, right? Here, here's my life. Now, listen to me. The master plan, the expectation of God, is that once we hear the gospel and we give our life to Christ, that that's become so real to us, we quit playing church. And we get real. Everybody with me? This isn't for weekend warriors. This is for real deal people. You got what I'm saying. He's talking to the church, not the observers of the church, the church, not the attenders of the church, the church. Everybody with me? Okay. Rough crowd today, but that's all right. I know you're just thinking. I know you're with me. You're just thinking. That's all right. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, view God's mercy. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. God, you got me. Okay? Holy and pleasing to God. Look, this is your true and proper worship. You know, we may not have worshiped until we first give ourselves to God. You say, well, I'm a worshiper. I raised my hands. I sang. I clapped. Woo! Good. But did you give yourself to God? That's worship. Now, let's go to... Now, watch this. Watch this. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. So he says, we, we can't be in the master plan of Satan, of this world, and be in the plan of God. So I've got to get out of the pattern of this world. Everybody with me? Don't conform to that pattern, but be transformed. That's good news for us, to be transformed. How? By God. Look at this. The renewing of your mind. Until we've had enough encounter with God that we begin to think differently than we did before we got saved, we're not transformed. See, see in other words, we, you can't come to church and pray and worship and go through the thing and think God's going to bless your prejudice. You, you understand? Well, I go to church. Good, but you're still in prejudice. You, you, you can't come to church and, 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 and carry bitterness and unforgiveness and God bless that. There has to be a transformation. The way I think has begun to change because of my encounter with God. When my encounter with God literally changes the way I look at you, the way I look at me, God's beginning to do something in my life. Now what? That has to happen. He says, watch this. Then, after that, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Now let me, let me give you a shocking statement. This isn't Sunday theory. This is life. If I have not walked out of the master plan of Satan and entered into the plan of God, if I haven't been born again, are you with me? And, and, and I'm being transformed by that relationship, I cannot know the will of God in my life. So how do you make the, how in the world do you know who you should marry if you don't know the will of God? If I don't know what God's will is, then how can I know his will? I'm not conforming to the pattern of the world. I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. Then I know the will of God. I, w- I, would be, I would be horrified to get married if I, wasn't, if I didn't know what the will of God was. How, listen, real life. How would you know how to raise your children if you don't know the will of God? How do you know where to go to college if you don't know the will of God? How do you know what career he has for you if you don't know the will of God? How do you know what job to accept if you don't know the will of God? As an employer, who do you know to hire if you don't know the will of God? How do you do anything in your life and make it work if you don't know the will of God? What courses do you take? Where do you go? What college do you select? What careers for you? How do you get married? Listen, I wouldn't even date somebody if I didn't know who the will of God was. Why are you going to date somebody that's not the will of God for you? Somebody said, well, I'm just going to date everybody. One of them's going to be right. Well, you got about as much luck as going to Tunica and winning some money. You're going to play Russian roulette with your future? I'm just going to date somebody and one of them's going to be God. You, listen, you, you're not random. You have a, you, you are renewed by God. You're being transformed. God has somebody in your life that's not just going to be okay. They're going to be just what the will of God is. Good, pleasing, perfect will. Let's go on. I got to hurry. Come on, just stay with me here a minute. I'm, I'm going to wind this up. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance, look at this, with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Every one of us in this room, you have faith in your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? You have faith. I want you to say, I have faith. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Look at this. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body. Come on, look at this. Back to this pattern. And each member belongs to all the others. There's a, there's a Holy Spirit connection in the family of God. All right, now look at this. Look at this. See, the master plan, the master plan is that God designed you uniquely and put a gift in your life that is the expression of the Holy Spirit flowing through you. 
So look at this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. To whom? To whom? Each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. We say, well, that's a Sunday thing. Hold on. If it's serving, what is that? That's the same level as prophesying. I want to pause for that. That's the same level as prophesying. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. We got to get out of a Sunday mindset and just be the church. Look at this. If it is encouraging, give encouragement. People have the gift of encouragement. We need that because I've met some people with the gift of discouragement in my life. Anybody ever known somebody with the gift of discouragement and they're really being used? <laughs> if it's encouragement, give them encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Leave that up. Do you understand? These are the gifts. This is the master plan. I want you to understand. God designed His church to be a spirit-empowered church. This church is so dynamic that there are gifts in every one of our lives. And as these gifts flow through our life, we begin to show this world around us who Jesus is. And they are diverse and they're powerful and they're equal, equal, equal. Do you know you may be earning a living by your gift and you don't even know God gave it to you? Do you know that one of the translations, if it is to lead, says governance or administration? Do you know the reason you've been promoted on your job and the reason you're a good manager and the reason you're now an executive is not because you're cute. It's not because you're so smart. It's not because they like your style. It's because Almighty God put a gift in your life and that gift operates under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And once I get that that's God, I begin to use it for His glory. Have mercy. Look at this. We're going this I, I, I've got to go to this. And uh, uh, where do I want to go? I'll go here. We've got to close. 1 Peter chapter 4.10. Let's look at these two verses. I'm going to stop. The last two. Stay with me. Watch this. Each of you. Have you noticed how many times today when God talks about his master plan? All of them. Each of them. Every one of them. Nobody's left out. Come on. Watch. We're going to close. Watch this. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to do what? serve. Do you know you serve God by serving others? If I'm not serving others, I'm not serving God. How do I serve God? I can't see if I won't serve people. I can't see. All right. As a faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You said a while ago, I have faith. This says you have grace. Come on, say, I have grace. I have grace. You've got faith and grace. You, you're something else. All right. Let's look at this from the amplified. This is the last Watch. This is amazing. Read it carefully. Watch this. Are you with me? As each of you, here we go, has received a gift, a particular spiritual talent. Have mercy. Come on. Look at the person next to you and say, you're so talented. That was not with much feeling. I want you to try that again. (laughs) Say it. You are so talented. Do it again. Now, here's the hard one. You ready? I want you to say, I am so talented. Let me hear you. Oh, yeah. Isn't that nice? So what did you learn? You have faith. Did you know that you have faith? You have grace. You're talented. Do you know who tells you you're not talented? The devil himself. Do you know if anybody's ever put you down and ripped you off and lied to you and belittled you and lessened you and abused you and criticized you, they may not have known it, but they were the devil's mouthpiece in your life. Do you know if anybody ever said you're gifted, you're graceful, you're talented, you have faith? It's the word of God. God says you have grace, you have faith, you are talented. It reminds me of that movie, what is it? The help, that little girl, you are precious. I'm sorry. Never mind. 
What does that go? You are kind. You are praying. Okay, let's stop. So look, here, sorry, I can't help it. It just happens. So you're talented. Look at this. You have a gracious divine endowment. Look at these words. Look at these words. You got to go home with these. What do we do with it? Employ it. For whom? One another. Good trustees of God's many-sided grace. Faithful stewards. Look at this. Of the extremely diverse power and gifts granted to Christians. How? Unmerited favor. You don't earn these gifts. God gave them to you. You don't earn this talent. He put it in you. You didn't generate this faith. It's yours. It's a deposit. Deposited in the church, in the master plan of God, are men and women, everyone, everyone, everyone. I'm here to tell you today, if you've ever been rejected, it wasn't by God. If you've ever been abused, it wasn't the will of God. If somebody ever lied to you, broke a vow, pushed you away, made you feel little, made you feel unimportant, it was the devil trying to stop you before you discovered, have mercy. I am gifted by God. I am talented by God. I carry faith. I carry grace. I'm in the master plan of God. And you know what happens when we do this? That's why the Bible says and every day people were saved. Why? Because the church was just being the church. They were walking in the grace and the love of God serving, moving, loving. And you know what happened? People said, I want that. I want that. I need that. Watch them love each other. Look at those people. We have to have some of that. Come on, stand with me. I want to pray with you right now. Stand with me. Come on. How many are thankful for the master plan? Man, the master plan of God. Powerful. Anointed. The church. Empowered by God. I see our students walking through school and the power of God flowing through their life. Can you see that? See that. I see our little children loving their teachers, being godly, fruit of the Spirit happening in our life. I see our older students with these gifts and talents beginning to flow through them and people recognize that. What are you saying over your family, over your children, over your church? Come on, see, if we're natural, if we operate in the natural, we're never going to be the church. Everybody with me? We're supernatural. We're supernatural. That just means we're above natural. How many think your natural is not enough? Let me see your hand. How many need some supernatural? Yeah. This is what I want us to pray. I want us to pray that at Calvary... We'll see God begin to shift the culture. See, the, the, the real proof, we've got to get this, guys. It's not just what happens in here. It's what happens when we go out there. Are people around us so, so visibly impacted by what they see, how you live, that they say, let's talk about God. Listen, I, I'm going to say this, and we're going to pray. Just to oh, be transparent. I think, and, and as a pastor, pastoring this church 38 years, I've walked through some great, great days and some hard, hard days. I've had to say goodbye to my mom and my dad. I've had to, you know, life, life. But I don't think anything's ever challenged me like Phoenix being sick. There are days that's torn my heart out. There are days I've cried. There are days I've begged God, please, today. Please today, God. I've said, God, I'll give her my eyes. 
I've had a great life. I love my life. It's been great. But give her a shot. She can have my eyes, God. It doesn't work that way. And I've had in the middle of those days, I've had to say, God, I don't feel so strong. I don't feel so powerful. But I just can't let go, God. I'm holding on. Help me, God. I trust you, God. You've prayed with us. I've watched Phyllis. I've listened to her pray in her home. My family, just God, 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 help me. Help me. Not to get discouraged because I've got to help my family. I've got to help this church walk through some things. But in the midst of this, by the grace of God, with your prayers and our faith as a church family, I'm still standing. I'm still walking. And in this process, one of the physicians that's been used greatly by God in her life, just a brilliant physician, in the last few weeks received a really bad physical diagnosis in her own life. But this is what he said. He said, when I heard that, the very first thing I thought of was your family and how you've walked with God and prayed and stood firm. He says, the first thing I thought of. Do you know what you're walking through today and how you walk through it and what you're doing is what causes that verse to say, and God added to the church every day. Because you see, there's enough Jesus in how we live. In our lowest moments, in our hardest moments, my moments I'm not proud of. When the moments when I'm not, I don't feel like the giant killer. I've got a tide on the bottom of the rope and I'm just hanging God. My option's given up and I'm not going to take that option. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's seeing that there's something in your life. There's hope where I lost hope. There's faith where I lost faith. There's love where I couldn't find any. There's, there's something there. Do you understand that? What you're walking through is not wasted. What you're dealing with is important because you're the church. You're gifted. You're full of grace. You're full of talent. You're full of mercy. And just walking in his plan is spreading Jesus around this place. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't let go. You're, you're, you're blessed. We're in a master plan. We're on the brink of a breakthrough. We're walking in a place. Do you think God wants to save America? Yes, he does. Do you think God wants to bring hope to a nation that is creating all kinds of plans? Oh, yes, he does. You and I are going to come to us. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.